Are booth renters and suite renters coming back to commission salons? We're going to talk about that and why they leave in the first place on today's show. Let's do it. Salon owners are some of the most amazing people on planet Earth. The only problem is sometimes their hearts are so big and they give so much of themselves to their staff and guests that it creates unintended consequences. Our goal is to change the industry by elevating the way the rest of the world sees salons, spas, and barbershops and give it the credibility that it truly deserves. This is the Salon Owner Evo Revo Show. Today's podcast is brought to you by Salon Scale, allowing you to charge by what you know, not by what you feel. What's going on, everybody? I am Jason Everett, and with me today, as always, is Mr. Doug Campbell, all the way out from Florida. What's going on, Doug? How are you? Doing well, doing well. Good to be here. Yeah, man. Good to have you. I was just actually out in Florida not that long ago, so I, I remember how far you are, because when you cross that country and take those flights, man... Uh, I'm always grateful uh, to uh, to be home. Anyway, good to see you. I want to talk about this idea of booth renters and suite renters coming back to commission. You know, I was I was recently out at the uh, Premier Show in Orlando. That's why I was out in Florida. And every time I turned around, people were talking about, well, you know, uh, booth rentals continuing to grow and continue to grow. And then I, I'd ask this question. I'd say, well, I've actually seen something very different. Is I've actually seen a mass exodus of people who went to suite rental and booth renter rental that are actually coming back inside commission salons. And in fact, inside the Academy, Doug, as you and I have talked about, is we're actually seeing people recruit renters and get them back into commission salons because people are realizing it's not quite what they thought it was cracked up to be. And I think that's a really interesting trend to talk about. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of um, misinformation and illusion about what booth rental is. And they, yeah. get, they, they think that one, they, they're going to keep all the money and that, you know, they're going to be able to work half as much and make twice as much money. Right. And then when they get out there and they realize, you know, what's going on, they don't have the support anymore that they had. Because uh, I think a lot of times, especially if someone comes straight out of school into a commission salon, right. they don't have, they take for granted a lot of the things that are provided for them. And they got booth and they're like, wait a minute, but, but where's this? We've always had this. And where's this? And, and, well, and who was supposed to take care of that? So, right. as, so it's, 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 it's really interesting because you, you bring up this point about schools. And that was the other thing that I've heard too, is I are, and by the way, if you are a commission salon and you've been hiring renters, if you, would you do me a favor and say in there uh, that you're hiring renters in the chat, do me a favor, type that in. I want to make sure that somebody else is hearing that, not just Doug and myself, but Doug, I'm seeing schools or I'm hearing this, that schools are saying, Hey, um, you should be a renter. Like the goal is to be a renter. And that's what sometimes they're teaching in schools. And so commission salons get really frustrated by that. And then they're like, well, of course they're going to leave and go to rent because the school says that's the ultimate goal. Go work in a commission salon while you don't have any experience and then become a, a renter and keep all your money. That's kind of the narrative that's going on right now. Right. That they could run there, but they don't have any idea what's involved. I mean, there's still right. a lot of, a lot of the things that are, are, I, like I said, a lot of it's just done, you know, like you've got all the color that you want at your disposal in a commission salon. You don't have to run a supply store. You don't have to worry. You don't have to think about it in the morning. You just show up. Everything's there. Uh, like, in ours, you know, the tools are provided for you. Uh, right. it's, if it breaks down, there's one to replace it. You don't have to worry about replacing that. You know, all of your appointments are confirmed for you. They're followed up on you. All these yeah. things. It's like your marketing's done with you. Like all of that stuff is handled. And I, I think, Doug, you're kind of hitting on. What we talk about often, I know we've done a lot of shows talking about rental versus commission, like we've been talking about this, but it's such a hot subject, is that 
Honestly, Doug, though, I think that everything you just said, there's some salons that are still falling short of delivering on what you said on things like, you know, providing tools for the stylist or doing the marketing. I think a lot of salons get confused about, well, I'm a commission salon, but I'm going to have my staff do all the marketing for me, or I'm a commission salon, but I'm going to make them provide their own tools. I'm a commission salon, but I'm going to make them book their own appointments, or I'm a commission salon, and I'm going to have them answer the phone when they're hanging out there, right? And it becomes this like gray area of them showing them how to basically run their own salon because they're leaning on them so heavily to run the business, right? Because the owner's behind the chair and they're like, well, I'll grab the phone sometimes, you grab the phone sometimes. And like, that's dangerous because that's what creates people leaving just go, then I'm gonna go off and rent on my own. If I'm doing most of this work anyway and I'm not getting all this stuff from a commission salon, then why don't I just do my own dang thing? Yeah, that's what I tell people all the time. It's like, look, if you don't have a front desk, you need to get a good front desk. And people yeah. wait way too long to that get one. a front desk because that's part of what they're paying for. And, and that, the thing that why I can't afford it, generally your retail sales go up enough that it can support a front desk when there's, a, when there's someone there closing the sales. And by the way, we call them sales desks now, not front desk. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so we do that mindset, but that's another thing there again, that's another source of income for the stylist is retail. And when they got support of the front desk to really make sure that those sales are going through and being closed, then that's another part. So yeah, I think from a, uh, commission owners thing is you gotta make sure you create the right environment. And I think one of the other thing is, you know, hiring the right people for you. I think yes. you get caught up in hiring warm bodies that are not a good cultural fit. And then they end up leaving. They were like, oh, it's like, well, you hired the wrong person in the first place. Uh, so sometimes it's just slow down and hire the right people. Right. Uh, and then what's the other thing that's interesting right. is whenever people go into booth rental world and then they're like, well, you know, if a couple of us banded together and we work together and, and then they evolve back in, next thing you know, they're trying to open they're a commission. back in the commission salon, salon world. Right. It's like this, this yeah. vicious circle that goes around. And I think the key to it really is because people culturally are getting put in the wrong spots. It's what causes that washing machine effect. Mm -hmm. I think if, if it, people did a better job of when like one stylist looking for a, a salon home, really look for a really good fit and not just a place to get some yeah. clients and get some experience. Uh, and same thing with salon owners. I think, you know, Get being really picky about who you bring into your space yep. and then make yep. sure when they that the ones that get there do excel and would never want to go because they understand what's done for them Let, let's do this we got to take a quick break when we come back let's talk about how to find the right fit that will stay with you long term and get out of i love what you call the doug like the washing machine effect of like rental commission rental commission and kind of get in the cycle Let's talk about how do you hire the right fit so they won't leave in the first place and how do you screen to make sure that you got a long-term person with you to make sure that you can get them. And then we'll also, in the second half of the show, talk about how you can recruit for renters and get them back in your commission salon. We'll be right back after the short break. Hey, HPSA listeners. Let me ask you this. Are you tired of not knowing what your hair color is costing you on every appointment and watching it chew up your profit? Well, with Salon Scale, we take the guesswork out for you. Using a mobile app paired with the Bluetooth scale, Salon Scale will tell you exactly what your color is costing you on every bowl mix down to the ground. As you mix, Salon Scale will also digitally store your formulas and track how much product is being used in real time. So you can manage your inventory, cover your expenses, and generate more profit in your salon. Use promo code HPSA10 to get 10% off an annual subscription. Salon Scale. 
the new standard for mixing color. Welcome back to the show. Doug and I were just chatting about why people are coming back into commission salons and why people are finding out that that rental was not all it was cracked up to be. And again, what are some of the pitfalls that salon owners see over and over again that um, are, are causing people to leave commission salons? And Doug, you mentioned a little bit about this, is that a lot of times commission salons are not providing the resources that they need to be. And people are going, hey, this is why I, then I'm just going to leave. You know, if you're not providing my tools, you're not providing me with marketing, you're not providing me with the front desk. It's like you're kind of training them how to run their own salon anyway. And I'll, I'll never forget, yeah. I had a guy who I was talking to inside the, um, who was interested in coming to our academy. And he had a, uh, it was like, I think it was a 10 chair salon. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's great. You have a 10 chair salon. I mean, how many people work there? And he goes, me. And I was like, well, what, what's the deal? He's like, well, I can't get anybody to work. All these, he didn't say it this way, but implied idiots that come to work for me. They don't stay very long. They stay for a month, for a week or two, and then they leave. And I go, well, you know, what do you have set up? Do you have your software in place? Do you have your front desk in place? Like, what's there to support me? He goes, no, no, no. I run all my music off Spotify. I do all my calendar appointments on my phone. I'm the receptionist. I'm everything. And like, I just do my thing. And I just expect them to do the same work side by side with me. And I'm like, look, man, you have a training ground for rental salons. All you're doing is showing people how they could do it on their own. One of the most important things of creating a commission salon is your job is to be the curator of all of the systems to help everything move smoother and more efficiently, right? Set up the front desk, set up the color bar, set up all those things, not create it so that just a bunch of people can kind of run their own businesses. You want to supply people with everything they need to just come in and do what they love to do, which is hair. Give them the space to come in and be exceptional at what they do without bogging them down with all the other details of business. Right. Let them, let them be the artists that they are. And one of the things that always makes me cringe is whenever I hear salon owners talking about uh, the stylists take responsibility for their social media. I, yeah. Uh, I yeah. They've got to do this much. They need to be posting this much. They need, no, they don't. You're cause you're, you're totally training them. You're, you're, you're making them spend their time and their you're effort. You're placing yourself. Right. It's you're like, how to should they you. be giving you content? Yes, they should be giving, right. but then you as a salon owner, you have your person in place that then curates that content in such yeah. a way that, you know, it works. It, Cause it just, it's dangerous for you're training that they're again. I don't have front desk. I'm making them do that. I got all these goals they got to hit for social media posts and da, 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 da. it's like, you're just training them. Why should they stay with you? Uh, you know, it's like they, to your point, they need to be able to come in and do what they love to do and leave with a really nice paycheck. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, back to the recruiting part of it. I mean, there's, those are the conversations you got to have up front. I mean, we lay, you know, we've got the spreadsheet with uh, booth rental versus commission. We talk about what each one is. We talk about what's supplied here and what you would do for yourself over here. And just get real clear with people right up front. We have a non-compete. That's the time that we sign the non-compete. As I look, we're going to invest a lot of time, effort, and money in you to set you up for a great career. But we want to know that you're with us. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, that's fine. You know, if you want to go do the the booth rental thing, and and, and you know, it, booth rental's right for some people. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's it's just the worst thing in the world. I think it hurts the industry because people aren't held to a higher standard. Um, education drops off. There's, that that's the part. Uh, accountability for if something goes wrong with a customer and there's like, well, screw you. And, you know, it, it can give the industry a bad name. Yeah. Uh, uh, but whenever you work with a team, I think it's a little, little bit uh, different in, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know why this, this analogy kind of came to mind, but you mentioned let them be the artist. So imagine this for a second, guys. And, and by the way, if, if you think this, these are great ideas, do me a favor in the chat, say great ideas. Um, imagine this. Imagine I invited you to an art class. Doug, I know you're an avid artist, right? So if I said, hey, if I, if I invited you to an art class and I go, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to bring all your paint, all your own brushes, your canvas. I need you to bring all the things and supplies on your own. And then I want you to bring a sketch of what you want to do. And then um, I'm just going to give you a spot where we're going to paint. And uh, I want you to provide the inspiration and bring a couple of example images and like you do all that stuff. And then I'd like you to post on my social media for me after you're done and promote my class. At, sooner, so at some point, you're like, why am I coming to this class? I could do this anywhere, right? Like you would just go or I could do that at home and not pay any money to come to your class and have the exact same experience because you're not providing me with anything. Versus if I said, hey, Doug, I know you love art. I'm doing this whole class on this whole new technique and we're going to do resin. It's going to be incredible. And I've got all the supplies. I've got a bunch of inspiration for you. All you have to do is show up and I'm going to help you create an amazing image because I'm going to just make life super easy for you. And I'm going to teach you a bunch of stuff while you're there. That sounds like I'm going somewhere that I would actually get some benefit out of going to, right? And I think sometimes as salon owners, I hope you guys are getting this message today, is that the more you can set it up so they can come in and be artists and do an incredible job. And this, by the way, this doesn't mean you let them do whatever you want and they walk all over you and all, that's not what that means. It just means you provide them with as many things as you can that makes you still profitable and allows them to have a space to work. And that's the exchange for being able to run a successful salon is you provide them with something, they provide you with something and you're in a harmonious balance of how you operate, which is what is designed to create a commission salon. And they actually can make the same, if not more. And if you want to go back and watch the, uh, the whole show on commission versus rental. Type commission versus rental in the chat and I'll gladly send you the link to that podcast. But they actually make more money on commission salon, provided they're paying their taxes. They will make more money in the commission salon than they will inside a rental salon every single day as proven by the numbers. We've proven it. We've already shown it. I don't need to get into that part of the show. But like, if you can make more money inside a commission salon, then why would you leave to go do something else? And why are people coming back? Right? So if you can make more money in a salon like that, Doug, in a commission salon, why would somebody ever leave and go rent in your mind? Well, I, but miss, being misinformed, that's what I say. We really try to inform people up front because we've had a couple of people come back that were booth renters and say, gosh, that I was so misinformed, misled mm -hmm. by my school, misled by everything that I was looking at, went out yeah. to do booth rental. It was a whole lot more work than I expected. And this was an interesting one because I hadn't really heard it until she told me. She's like, it made me lazy. She said, I, you know, I, I got lazy. I didn't do the things I was supposed to be doing. I got behind on all my bookwork. I got to where I would take yeah. days off. I shouldn't be taking days off. My income plateaued and then started to go away. So I'm working more and making less mm -hmm. money and stressed out. She's like, you know, I just, just it was not good for me. She said, I want to come and do what I really love to do. And all that other crap can be taken care of by somebody else. And she makes more money now than she did when she yeah. was. We, we got two that are like that. They're making mm -hmm. significantly more money, uh, mm -hmm. and they're and they're continuing to go up. That's the other thing okay. that we find with booth rental. We've got booth rental, and they tend to plateau yeah. and just stay in that one lane. Um, and because there's no one coaching them, there's no one growing them. There's no there's none of those other things. Yeah. Um, for those of you guys that are, that are listening and you, and you follow a lot of our stuff, uh, first of all, thank you for being here and hanging out today. But I wanted to say coming up in July, we're doing a, an entire training for all of our members inside our High Performance Salon Academy, like our, our clients that we work with on a weekly basis. And one of the things we're talking about is the difference between being an entrepreneur and being entrepreneurial. 
we have a we have a guest speaker coming to talk about that. It's going to be incredible. But I think it's a really interesting thing. Is Doug to your point? What what ends up happening is a lot of people think they are an entrepreneur, meaning they want to run their own business and do their own thing. And I think that's that's the 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 positive intention of schools is they're like, I'm going to teach you to be an entrepreneur. So go out and rent your own booth and like do this and like you can be your you can be your own business, your own boss. And by the way. When somebody like Uber says, come and drive for us and be your own business, can I be really clear? You still work for friggin' Uber. Can I be really clear about that? Like, you still work for Uber. They just want you to feel entrepreneurial. And I, I think what it is, is that inside this industry, there's a lot of stylists and uh, nail techs and estheticians and all those things that are very entrepreneurial, meaning they, they want to help grow themselves. That's why they want to help grow a business. That's why they're in some capacity, a commission person. They don't want to have a cap on their income. And I think that's what happens, right? Is there's an employee base, then commission is kind of the next step. Then being an entrepreneur is the, is the next step after that. So there's sometimes a gray area between commission and entrepreneur. But if you can find a way to be inside a commission salon system and be entrepreneurial and help drive and run your own business, you can make six figures plus as a stylist inside a commission salon and have a great income without having to be the business owner. And in most cases, man, oh man, Doug, in most cases, I find that there are people, not inside our world, but outside, inside our world, there are plenty of people that have stylists that make more money as stylists than most salon owners do. Mm -hmm. Right? Is there, there are stylists in our system that make more money than the, than 90% of the renters or 95% of the renters and, and really 95% of the salon owners that are outside of our world because they're struggling. They don't have any systems. They don't have any help. They're doing it on their own and they think they're doing really, really well, but they're not making six figures plus. They're just kind of like getting by, which is freaking dangerous, man. It's dangerous. Yeah, the trick is, is to be able to make the six figures working 35 hours a week and taking five to six weeks vacation. Um, cause there's one thing to make six figures and work six days a week or seven yeah. days a week. Um, but I do, we're talking, we're trying to show me that the job of a salon owner, in my opinion, is you got to create the systems and the process for people to be taken advantage of, and then coach them how to use the system that's in front for of them, them to take advantage of the system to maximize sure. the amount of money they can make. Cause that's, that's the value that you add. It's like I created this pathway. It's a proven pathway, but now you've got to participate in it. Uh, yeah. When we do education, you need to show up at the education to get you to where you need to be. Where so all the other resources that we have is like you got to lean into those. Yeah. Uh, just like in social media, you need to be giving us content so that we can properly promote you. And because yeah. whoever gives the most content, the one that gets the most promotion. Um, right. So you, if yeah, you get if the you most get, promotion or gets the most guests booked on their schedule. Right. I, mean, like, I don't thing, understand right? why I'm not getting more. It's like well, you're not giving us the content to promote you correctly. So it's right. the same. Teaching them, coach them how to lean into the systems that you have in place. So there again, they can come in and do what they'd love to do, and everything else is working around them to catapult them to that yeah. you know very successful person much quicker than they could ever do it on their own. Doug, you said something about taking advantage of, and I want to talk about that subject for a second because it hit me when you were mentioning it. Your job as a salon owner is to create systems for your staff to take advantage of for themselves. Mm -hmm. where most people see or think that salon owners are trying to take it. this one, people leave to go to booth rent. People say, oh, the salon owner is taking advantage of me. And I think that that thought, just that concept in and of itself is the crux problem of why people leave and go to rental. If you really looked at it, 
Does your staff feel like you're taking advantage of them and getting one over on them? Or do they feel like they're getting an advantage from working with you? And I, I think that's inside our academy. What we love doing with salon owners is making it so that they are, it's like their staff has like an unfair advantage in the marketplace because of how many resources we provide the owners, how many cool things the owner is doing. And they go, man, it's, it's like, it's like we're cheating and they're not cheating, but it's like, it's like they have this unfair advantage that ends up happening as they go, man, like it's so much easier with the systems we have at the front desk with the sales system, the way we do consultations or how we do marketing or how our, our, um, our follow-up systems work. And like, it's like it, we were lifting all of those burdens to run a salon for the owner, thereby lifting it for the stylist, thereby making the stylist life better, the owner's life better and the guest life better, which that's the trifecta, right? If you can make the owner's life better, the, the stylist life better and the guest life better, that's a home run. But I think what ends up happening in a rental environment very often is the, the stylist life is marginally better, maybe because they have some flexibility in their hours. You know, there's not really an owner involved in that situation, like that maybe you're making the renter a little bit more money and the guest is trying to figure out what's better in their life because it doesn't necessarily mean it's better for the guest either. And I think that's why we're seeing people over and over again come back into commission salon because they're seeing there's an advantage. I mean, I think there is a lot to that too, that the guest experience in a rental situation because they're again, they're not going to have the the color. It's someone said, I want to change. I want to, and it's like, oh, I didn't go by. I'll get that for you on your next visit. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll do that next time. Or if they were used to getting, you know, products and now they're in Brisbane, I was like, oh, can I, I need to get that shampoo? Oh, well, yeah, I don't really carry that here. Next time I'll try to remember to pick some up for you. Well, next right. time you bring it in, you remember to pick it up from the supply store. And they're like, oh, I went ahead I and went to such and such place and got it. Yeah. Uh, so, so, it's not as good of an experience for the uh, client. Well, could we get, we've had some people that have gone, you know, booth rental before and finally clients come back. They're like, I just didn't like the way the place felt. I mean, so they did, they felt like it was a downgraded experience. There was still the person, you know, I went to them a couple of times and, you know, there was excuses why this wasn't and this wasn't just my overall experience went down and I would just, I, I prefer the experience with a really good stylist instead of a really good stylist without the experience. So they well, come back and they find somebody else in the salon. Yeah, I, I think another one on that same point, Doug, is like, what's the rest of the experience inside the salon? And, and we'll kind of wrap on this thought is like, especially when you have a salon that you have, you know, spa department, nail department, you have a large retail department, you may have a boutique, you have all those things. They're coming in for multiple layers of an experience. I think this is where salons fall short a lot is when they don't have a multi-layered experience for people to come in and they don't have relationships with people in each of the departments. Like the salons that are the most stable, Doug, that I see are the ones that have a full service care situation for all of their guests, as opposed to, we just do cuts and color and you're out of here, right? Like, I think that's another huge advantage because again, if it's just uh, all we do is cuts and colors, but then you don't have a blow dry department or you don't, you know, you're not doing blowouts or you don't have a nail team or you don't have a spa. Like, I think every single time you can add an additional benefit, that's what makes the experience of coming to the salon or spa or your business as very sticky for that guest. So that right. when that stylist does leave and go, oh, I'm renting a booth down around the corner and it's some weird spot. You got to buzz yourself into this back apartment and walk by all these other closed off salon. Like it's just, it's a different experience. I think the guests notice that it's different. The stylist notice that it's different. And there's plenty of things you could say to yourself to go, hey, it's a better experience. But I think 
and I've seen it over and over again, that guests come back to commission salon when you do it the right way, and the stylists come back to a commission salon when it's done the right way. Right, and I, th and I think a big key on that, we can do this on another show, but the, the, the sales desk is the key to that because I mean, they're, yeah. they're the ones that are really taking care of and providing that customer care because they've got the time to do it. They're making yeah. sure they've got all the products they're they need. Rushing between appointments. Right. Is there is there some other service that you need today? Are we getting you everything you need no, to have today? We got your next one set up. And yeah. so, because I mean, think about if you're going to a doctor's office and there was no receptionist and there was no nurse. And it's just oh, the it's so much better. Running. Those doctors are going to make so much more money, Doug, when they start answering their own phone calls. Right. Right. And so, <laughs> so, you know, so the doctor's interrupted three times while you know, you're on. He said, respond to a phone call. He's you know, texting oh, people back. Forget, She's texting people. I forgot to take your blood pressure. Okay. Well, crap. You know, and it's like, so the whole thing is like, that's the whole thing is like, you need to be taken care of. And that's part of things come in, the client comes to you, they've already been given something to drink. If they wanted something to eat, they've got something to eat. They may have already purchased their other stuff. You, you fully know what they're getting. You have, yeah, it's, that's a big key. Game over, guys. If this has been helpful for you, do me a favor and say helpful in the chat. Doug, this has been a great discussion today. If you really got some value out of it, do me a favor and say value in the comment section or go the crazy extra step and go drop a review for us on this podcast. That'd be really helpful as we continue to reach out to more salon owners all over. Coming up on episode uh, 100 very soon here. So prepare yourself. We've got some big changes in store for the podcast. So hopefully you get lots of value. Stick around. It's going to be an even wilder ride after episode 100. So hang tight. Join us for another show. And thanks for being here today. Thanks, Doug, for being on. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Evo Revo podcast. Today's podcast was brought to you by SalonScale, allowing you to charge by what you know, not by what you feel. Please subscribe, leave us a review, and you can always get more information, including show notes and the video episodes at EvoRevoPodcast.com.